Hello, microbe friends. I'm Dr. Justine Dees, and welcome to the Joyful Microbe Podcast. It's the show all about the microbes we encounter in our daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to share this show with you. Today, we're diving into the topic of appreciating microbes while maintaining a healthy respect for them. In a world where headlines make us worry about the bacteria lurking in our water bottles and cleaning products portray microbes as monsters, it's essential to understand the crucial roles microbes play in our lives. To explore this concept further, I have invited Dr. Sandra Wilkes, a researcher specializing in infection prevention and control, to join us. Dr. Wilkes shares her journey from childhood curiosity to a deep passion for microbiology. Now her research involves a wide range of microbiology topics, including the contamination of medical devices and the microbial environments in hospitals and beyond. Through her expertise, we'll uncover misconceptions about microbes, redefine our perception of cleanliness, and find a balance between good hygiene practices and coexisting with microbes. Join us as we discuss how to responsibly share our world with these invisible organisms that so greatly impact our lives. All right, let's get on to the interview. Hi, Sandra. Thanks so much for coming on the Joyful Microbe podcast. Hi, Justine. Thanks so much for having me here. So you are a researcher who studies infection prevention and control and contamination of medical devices like urinary catheters and feeding tubes. And today we're discussing how we can appreciate the presence of microbes without fear. When there's articles in the news that claim things like there are more bacteria on your water bottle than a toilet seat, should we worry? So I'm excited to explore this subject with you today. But first, can you tell us a little about how you first got interested in microbiology? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'll try and make it not too long a story, but I go way back in time to when I kind of started when when I was only about five years old. Um, and I remember quite clearly being, being at school and um, there being a little display of, of things to look at with, with quite high-powered magnifying glasses. And I can remember looking at leaves and acorns and things like this and thinking, wow, there's all this stuff there that I can't really see. And, and I think there was some moss and, and you could kind of get a hint of things moving. And, and I think from then on, I, I was just fascinated by the fact that there are all these things around us that, that we can't see. But, but mm. the, the, that are there. So fairly soon after that, I got a little microscope and um, mm. started looking at pond water and all that that kind of thing. And then um, later on, doing my studies, I did um, some uh, placements at the British Antarctic Survey um, in Cambridge and was lucky enough to look at samples from sea ice and exciting things like that and there was just well diatoms mm. fantastic algae <laughs> beautiful whole world um and all different protists and so single celled mm. um amoeba and, and things like that and and i just found it fascinating that that all of these existed and i i went on to do my phd on marine microbiology and then somehow from there, I ended up um, then moving on to different types of microbiology. So in the last 20 years, I've worked on all sorts of things from animal manures and sewage waste and drinking water, food, surfaces, um, and now medical devices and, uh, and um, surfaces that surround us. Um, you know, whether it's in a hospital or outside. Um, 
But I think always in general, coming back to the idea of being really fascinated about microbial communities and, and this whole world of microbes that exists rather than necessarily where they come from. Hmm. Well, it sounds like you've had a really well-rounded background in microbiology where you kind of got to see the the cool little creatures that live in water and are everywhere and then now kind of focusing more on areas of infection prevention and control. So I think I think this is going to make this conversation so interesting to see it from your perspective. I hope so. <laughs> I, I just I I find it just fascinating. I think um I think it's actually as microbiologists it's a real privilege that we get to see this other mm. world and and I I mm. really like talking about it um and and helping other people to to see what I get to see in my in my daily job. Yeah, yeah. And so that's I love that idea that there, there's this whole other world and we can't easily see it. But then, you know, we have the chance to try to share that with other people and say, okay, you can imagine that it's there. But then if you look through a microscope, it's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I wish I could give everyone a microscope because mm -hmm. I, it's, yeah, it, it's just amazing. It's, I, I, I think it, it's very much like, although it's a completely different scale, like looking at the night sky, you know, when, when it's mm -hmm. clear night and you look and there's all the stars and you think, wow, there's so much there. And when you look down a microscope and you're looking at a, a drop of water or um, a little bit of a surface or, or something and you think, wow, there's so much there too and it's completely <laughs> opposite ends of the scale but it's just mm -hmm. amazing um yeah it's a, it's just a really fascinating topic I think yeah. I'm slightly biased but. yeah <laughs> yeah well I think it's amazing too and of course I'm biased as well but I I guess it seems like this topic though is for a lot of people, a very scary topic because, I mean, especially after COVID and, you know, with that in mind, it's like this, it can be easier to see the scary side of it. And there, you know, it's a real thing that Absolutely. some microbes cause diseases. And so um, I think that often it's per, it's, it's, um, it's in the news or in these, you know, articles online where you'll see things about how dirty everything is and things like the unexpected household items that are covered in germs or the six dirtiest places in your house or the dirtiest places in your work kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and and everything is compared to a toilet seat. Like how dirty is this thing compared to the toilet seat? And oh my gosh, you know. So So I wanted to ask you about that. What does the word dirty mean when it comes to microbes and germs? Like, how would you explain that? It's, it's, it's a much more complicated question than, than it seems on, on, the, on the surface. And, and actually, it's, it's, really, it's, it's a really difficult one to, to answer. And, and I think if you, if you talk to a range of microbiologists, you're, you'll find that it's, it's something which which we debate as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, m most people, you know, actually when we're talking about something being clean, we're often talking really about um, something that we can see. So if something looks dirty, and, and generally that, that isn't a direct link to um, any kind of microbial contamination. It, it may be, but it's not necessarily. But somehow we've we've linked all these things together. So I think mm. it it's in in a in a formal definition kind of way. You know, if we talk about clean, we're really talking about things like um, sort of organic matter or other other materials that that are on a, a surface or um, 
or a fabric or, or whatever you're looking at, um, it's not necessarily about the the microbes themselves. Um, if mm. if we're if we're looking at it in in more detail, we then have to start sort of breaking down things like the environment we're in. So cleanliness means different things in different places, and it certainly <laughs> means different things to different people. I mean, one of the things, and, and I will. I'm going to admit something here, which I probably shouldn't. But you know, if if I think of, um, so so I we I've just been working on on a project recently where we've been looking at uh, public transport, and and we've been doing um, as as part of the project looking at the microbes that are found on um, a public bus um, in different areas. And and I think you know if I if I go on a bus, and and I see a seat that looks a bit dirty, I probably won't sit there, and and I might choose another one, and mm-hmm. and I will make these judgments myself. Now, if I think of my car, and this is where I'm admitting, if I think <laughs> of the reality of how often I actually clean my seat, the seats of my car. That bus probably gets cleaned a lot more. There's a lot more people going in the bus than in my mm. car, but I don't think about that when I go in my car. And and it's the same. It's often the same around our houses and things. We we all actually have a different perception of clean mm. and what clean means. Um, so so it's it's quite an an interesting um, concept. The the whole concept of of what what clean is and 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 how we how we define that um yeah it's 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 really far if if you start thinking about it you start realizing oh actually um yeah i kind of contradict myself sometimes because <laughs> i can i can go to places and i think you know if you if you go to to a restaurant you know you may well expect a certain level of cleanliness which is probably a reasonable thing to do but then do we all have the same levels in our homes or when we're handling things it's it's um yeah it's it it, it's a very interesting subject um I, i i have some other examples but i don't want to sort of labor this point um I, I think one of one of the things that um, always does stick in my mind. So um, in in recent years, um, I have done some some teaching for uh, some students that are training to be nurses um, and healthcare uh, professionals, and we we ask them some questions when we're when we're talking about microbiology and infection prevention i think it's very revealing and i think this is a is a question we can all answer ask ourselves so one of the questions we ask are is if you are helping somebody else blow their nose do you wash your hands afterwards <laughs> and the resounding answer is is always extremely high percentage if not 100% will say yes <laughs> and and I think I would say yes although yeah. being a slightly anti-social scientist I probably wouldn't even offer to help somebody but that's another <laughs> story um, but the next question when you blow your nose yourself do you wash your hands <laughs> and if we're honest you know I would have to say well, there's plenty of times that I have blown my nose and I haven't washed my hands afterwards. And why why is that different? Why <laughs> why is it clean in a in inverted commas when I'm <laughs> thinking of myself, but something coming from somebody else I have I have more of a fear about. And and I th- think you know underlying all of that is that whenever we talk about clean and dirty we have to bring into this that there are behavioral social 
cultural aspects to how we all define clean and dirty, um, rather than it being a straight black and white answer. Yeah. Well, it seems like it can also really depend on what setting, I think you mentioned that before, but what setting we're you know, referring to. And so when it comes to your research, it's focused on a medical setting. So how would you compare that in a medical setting versus an everyday at home setting? Absolutely. And that that's a, it's a really interesting area as well, because that that is also um, something which we've seen a big change um, following the, the pandemic, because previous to the pandemic, if we were talking about infection prevention and control, we almost entirely were talking about healthcare settings. Um, But all of a sudden, through the pandemic, we all became infection prevention and control (laughs) specialists or interests. and, and, And actually, it has made people think more, I think, about public spaces and, and mm-hmm. risk and things. In in a very general sense, if, if we if we move away from from the the risks of uh, that that we've had o- over recent years, obviously if if we're looking in a healthcare environment, one of the reasons that um, infection prevention and control is so important is is because you know th- the majority of the people who are in in a hospital or in a healthcare facility um, are in a vulnerable state in mm. in one way or another. So whether um, whether they are um, extremely young or elderly, I mean there there are increased risks at um, for obviously uh, newborn and and for elderly people. Um, and and also, if you are, um, if you have uh, any kind of illness or um, disease which is affecting your immune function, that can make you more susceptible. So something as simple as um, as as catching a cold, you know, for for the vast majority of us. Um, and of course, colds tend to be viral. Vast majority of us, if we if we catch cold, um, we we will feel miserable and grumpy and under the weather. But a few days, it will pass and we will get better. If you have somebody who is having um, aggressive chemotherapy, whose mm. whose immune system is really um, suppressed, then you know something as as simple uh, as a cold can have a much more profound effect and and can um yeah have a, have an impact on on how the the uh, the medicine is working but uh, but also just have a much more um serious impact on on their health in general so so you're looking at a very different um situation there um, if you're looking at in our homes, in public spaces, on transport, for for most of us, um, we we don't need that level of infection prevention and control. Um, but but certainly, I mean, again, um, not focusing on on the pandemic, but simple things like I think. We are all aware of whether we've experienced it ourselves or, or we see it um, in in our children. Things like the beginning of the school term, when when everybody, if if you have a, a crowded environment, and and somebody gets ill, whether it's a, a cold or something like norovirus, you know it it will spread through uh, <laughs> a uh, that that environment very quickly. So mm-hmm. simple things like you know, hand washing can be an effective measure to block that transmission in some cases. So, so that would be a very simple um, aspect of infection prevention and control, which is widely used in hospitals, which can be useful in, in a more public setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point to bring up that... <clears throat> 
there are going to be certain people out there at a certain age or in a certain condition, maybe immunocompromised or their immune system is just not developed, then this question, it's totally different. And like you said, the level of infection prevention and control is going to be completely different as well. So um, going back to these everyday items that often these articles are referencing where they say your water bottle is dirtier than a toilet seat. I kind of want to discuss that idea. So for, you know, in the context of a healthy immune system, does the number of microbes matter on its own? Because that's quite often what they're looking at or just seeing like, oh, look at all these bacteria here and then not there. So what should we really care about when it comes to microbes on these different service surfaces? Yeah, it's, I mean, the these kind of um, headline stories um, can, can be really misleading and, and can lead to a, a lot of um, misunderstanding, a lot of fear. And, and the, the reality is we, we are absolutely, absolutely surrounded by microbes i mean you know we that there is hardly an environment on earth that isn't colonized by microbes uh, which is quite unbelievable they're they're far more successful at colonizing (laughs) different environments than we are um that that's for sure um so so we've we've always lived with them um our our bodies are are covered with microbes and and we have many inside us i mean i think many people are now familiar with the, with the concept of of the gut microbiome and how important that is and how important it is to have a healthy microbiome and and they do many many positive um jobs for us they they can make vitamins they can um break down our food, they can provide a protective layer on our skin, you know, all sorts of things. And, and we really couldn't live without them. Mm. And when you're actually looking at pathogenic or disease causing microbes, it's actually a really small proportion. Of course, within that proportion, there can be very serious infections mm. that are the result of microbes. But, but the vast majority are not like that, either they are completely harmless or our immune system is able to to deal with them. So when Mm. we're looking at just a pure number, that doesn't really have a lot of meaning. If Mm. if you are working in in an environment where it is important for complete um, sterility, um, so you you need it to be absolutely no chance of, of any microbe there, then of course the number matters because it doesn't matter what it is. Um, <laughs> but, but in you know most situations that and in our daily lives, as soon as we open a bottle of water, the water is exposed to the air. So so the and our drinking water itself, if if we um, I mean I. If, if we look at certainly the, the, the UK drinking water system um, is based uh, generally on um, chlorine uh, disinfection processes um, and it, chlorine treatments and, and our water is, is treated to remove any chance of um, harmful bacteria but that doesn't mean that all bacteria are removed i i often find that people are uh, quite surprised when they find out that actually our tap water does contain bacteria that that is not a problem <laughs> i drink tap water all the time it's absolutely fine so if you have your drinking water bottle and you've had tap water in it there is a chance that and and quite likely that some of those bacteria will stay in your water bottle. Well, that's okay. I mean, that's that's just the same as the water you've been drinking from the tap. That that just because they're there doesn't that doesn't mean that there's a problem. And and I think that there needs to be a better understanding of that. I think um, we we tend to be used to a a very sort of um, binary um, message 
of we either see the kind of um, detergent or disinfectant advertisements which have microbes as little monsters and mm. you know we'll, <laughs> we'll have the quotes you know kills 99.9 percent of all known germs or something like that which which makes you think oh got to get rid of everything um or we have the 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 kind of oh if if you if you drink this um, supplement or something the, this will this has got friendly bacteria and it will help your gut microbiome. It, it tends to be one or the other. We don't really ever talk about the fact that actually we've got a whole world of microbes around mm. us all the time, mm. and they're just there, and that's fine. yeah and i think it's it's like the context is massively important when we're talking about like you said in a a healthcare setting um i worked at a medical supply manufacturer in the microbiology lab and it was my job to make sure that the products were sterilized and i had to validate the sterilization Mm -hmm. And I did not want to see anything growing. No, <laughs> we wanted a zero, you know, nothing grew. And um, anytime we didn't see that, it was, I mean, honestly, it was exciting because we were, we always saw nothing. <laughs> so, Which but in, you know, you want. For, for the company, it was not exciting, of course, when, you know, you, we saw growth, but it's, in that case, it's it's a it's very important to have no microbes, but those are items that could go and you know breach the barrier of our skin, and it's mm-hmm. like that's an issue that you, you don't want to be exposed in um, when you're going past the our initial um, protection so um, of our skin. And um, and then other things as well, but I'm thinking about like needles and um, so. But then it's like at home, yeah, microbes are going to be everywhere. Our plants in our homes have soil, and then there's a whole bunch of microbes that are in them. That's not a problem. And like you said, our drinking water is going to have microbes in it. If you set out your cup for a while, it's going (laughs) to, you know, whether it was sterile water initially, it becomes non-sterile just because there's something covering it. So, and it's not an issue, like you said. No, absolutely. And of course, you know, in, a, in our homes, there are there are some areas where, where we do need to take a bit more care. I mean, thinking particularly around food preparation. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously if, um, if you're preparing um, raw meat, um, you know, you, you don't, I think everybody's quite quite aware that you wouldn't want to be keeping your raw meat right next to, um, you know, vegetables or salad that that you're going to eat without cooking. You know, using mm-hmm. separate chopping boards for things. That those kind of uh, simple food preparation um, hygiene um, activities are actually encouraged for a good reason, because yeah. that there, there is a risk there of cross-contamination and cross-contamination could lead to food poisoning. Um, but in in many of the things that are, that are picked up in, in these headlines, you know, it it, it is far less of, of a risk as, as such. Um, and, and I think if we understood more about the microbes around us, Mm. Um, we would understand those risks better um, because, yes, there are some which we do have to really be careful about and, and are, are very, very serious. Um, you know, infectious diseases um, cause high numbers of, of deaths around, around the world and, uh, and, and huge impact on, on healthcare. Um, but... You know, for for the vast majority of microbes that we're surrounded with, we we live with them, and we always have done, and that's a good thing. And and I I always wish 
um, that we we need the kind of wildlife documentary that sees what we see down the microscope. Uh, I, that would be great that we could travel mm-hmm. through the microbial world and be, because it's it's amazing um, and and I think people would then feel more comfortable about the fact that we are surrounded by all of them. No, I love that idea. Oh, it just made me think about if you're walking through the woods, like if we were going to do this as like on a microbial level, but it, it it would be similar to walking through the woods and you see yeah. all these plants and then you would see some birds flying around and those birds aren't going to hurt you. No. They're just, you know, doing their thing. And, and then we've got these, you know, patches of moss and you've got some bugs crawling around and, and so it's like they're – they're just there and it's okay and you're in, you can actually enjoy the fact that they're there and so i think i like that imagining it that way i think that would be really cool to have the microbial wildlife documentary <laughs> I, I think it would be great i think um because, because that they it's really quite amazing and fascinating what what surrounds us and and what they do we tend to think of um, microbes like bacteria as being really simple, um, but but actually they're they're incredibly complex. They're they're incredibly successful at surviving, and, and like I say, I mean the the environments they're able to be found in. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean it's just it's just amazing, um, mm-hmm. and and I think if 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 people were able to to think of them in that way. Then, then it, it would become less of a need to get rid of them because there are some real dangers about trying to overclean or oversterilize our environments. That that will be a detriment to us as well as to the microbes. Mm, yes, definitely. So it seems like when it comes to microbes that we should care about whether we would get sick from them or not. So understanding the context and the microbes themselves and making sure we don't pass them on to others. So what advice would you give to someone who's afraid of the dirty or supposedly germ-ridden items in their house or at work? Um, You know, thinking about that they don't want to pass around germs and get people sick, but at the same time, it may be less of a concern than they were initially thinking. Sure. Um, I, I think it's, I think the more you know, the the more it helps. So so I think it, it does come back to a little bit to, to what I was saying at the beginning, that, that we have to think about our own reaction to things. So, um, you know, Getting to learn about what the risks really are, because we we make risk analysis on things every day of our lives. Mm. We make risk assessments every time we cross a road, every time we leave our house, everything like that. Um, and we tend to make these assessments based on our knowledge. So there is something about learning more, um, being helpful, and and I think, you know. If if you are concerned that there are um, sort of small things that you can do, I, th- I think we that there, as I mentioned, that there are some real um, issues about over um, sanitizing or, or disinfecting um, the overuse of products and th- things like that have some real risks, um, and and I think. You know things like if if you have a cold, um, just employing good hand hygiene is is a great thing to do. Um, uh, you know, or, or anything like that. Um, uh, you know, whether it's cold or um, any kind of uh, like a stomach bug or something like that. Um, and and I think it's it's very telling that in a healthcare environment um, hand hygiene is still the the top infection prevention and control strategy 
um, and 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 it's very effective. So so I th- I think you know something simple like that, um, and and really, yeah. I think in in general, I I would say getting getting to understand what risk really means. So um, learning a bit more about microbiology. Um, I mean, if 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 it was up to me, I'd I'd encourage everybody mm. to to get to know their microbes. Um, mm. Yeah, I love that. I think like the idea of risk assessment is really smart because I think as, as we may not realize we're doing it, but that we are doing that with microbes. And I think because it's this abstract thing that we can't see, then sometimes the risk assessment is a little bit too careful or a little too fearful. And, um, and it kind of reminds me back to like the wildlife documentary where mm. you've got all these beautiful plants and animals around, but then every once in a while, of course, there may be a predator out there. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. you have to be aware of that and be prepared and and know when that may be an issue and not be an issue and, you know, putting your food away when you're camping so that bears are not going to be attracted to your campsite you know, that's going to be kind of similar to us. If there's, you know, somebody who's sick, then we know that we need to be more careful. In the kitchen, we know that we need to be um, wiping down our surfaces and disinfecting after working with meat. And in the bathroom, we want to clean, you know, and disinfect the toilet, things like that. So knowing where those bears are and and how to deal with them, but then making sure that you're not just getting rid of the, you know, the environment where they live because uh, you're worried about the one bear that lives there. Exactly. So. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't agree more. I, I often picture it as exactly as you've, you've described. I mean, you know, if, if we think of, of the whole of the animal world, you know, you're, you're right. The, you know, the, the vast majority, we're, we're fine to be around, but every now and again, there will be something that could cause us harm. Well, what do we do in that case? We, you know, we'll, we will put in place things to protect ourselves. And that, that's exactly the same. And our knowledge in, in our regular domestic lives, we, we have a lot of knowledge about microbes now. I mean, it's... Um, we are we are not living in in uh, the time where we had absolutely no idea that mm. microbes existed. You know, pre mm-hmm. the ability to detect them at all, and mm-hmm. and so we we know what good food preparation hygiene um, looks like. We we know um, we have a good understanding. Of, of these different um, things that are, that are good to do. Um, we also do have to balance that with knowing that we have successfully lived alongside microbes for a very, very, very long time. Mm. Um, and and, and it, there really is no need to be um, over- Overcautious. I mean, th- things like you know the fact that drinking water, tap water, will still contain bacteria, um, can on the face of it feel, oh, should I be worried about that? Not, not at all. And our um, drinking water treatment is is proven to to be very good um, and is based on good evidence and scientific knowledge and and is very efficient there are many examples like that so so we don't need to do more than we already are in Mm. those situations yeah yep I think it's I just want people to feel empowered to to have to explore these ideas and have their own understanding of the microbial world and and 
so like watch the wildlife documentary, you know, like go and read about it and learn about it so that you understand and can appreciate it, but then have respect as well for the microbes. Um, So we've kind of discussed some different terms about cleaning and disinfecting, and these terms actually have like specific definitions. So I wanted to see if you wouldn't mind defining those for us, what cleaning is, sanitizing and disinfecting and the difference between those, because we're all, we need to deal, do those things in our homes. And there's an application to microbiology with all of that, of course. So. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, as as kind of mentioned before, these, these definitions do, do sometimes vary a little bit from, from country to country and whether, you know, what, what environment you're looking, looking at. So, so within healthcare, they can, they can have slightly different definitions but but in a general sense if if we're if we're talking about cleaning it's often removal of sort of general dirt or other organic material so um which generally you can see um Mm -hmm. so so and and often this will be using things like soap detergents so if you were um doing your laundry for example, you're generally cleaning your clothes. So you're removing those um, other dirt and organic material that may be on your clothes. Um, You're not necessarily uh, removing, uh, like sterilizing them to, to a state where you might that you would need to do if you were if you were using a surgical gown to go into surgery Mm -hmm. in a hospital, for example. Um, sanitizing um, tends to be related to to killing bacteria um, using chemical agents, um, and it, it sort of cross crosses over with disinfecting and and disinfecting. Again, the, these definitions can sometimes change um, from from country to country. Disinfecting is is, is rather similar. To, to sanitizing in in the sense that it usually involves using a chemical um, and tend to use disinfecting more for bacteria and viruses um, if we're talking about sterilizing then then we are absolutely removing everything completely mm-hmm. um, nothing nothing there at all and uh, and and you need to ensure that 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 continues. So so that that tends to be something that isn't done within the home, as, mm. as general. Um, and so, if we, you know, if, if we're doing something like um, so, like I said, doing doing the laundry, that that would tend to fit under cleaning. Um, if we're if we're just using detergents to wipe down our surfaces, that that would tend to fit under cleaning. But if we're spraying them with a, um, a disinfectant, or or we're using um, a, a, a chlorine type bleach in our toilet or something like that, that would be more a, a disinfection or a um, sanitizing. So so a bit more of a higher level. So, what advice would you give about um, certain areas of the home maybe where you would clean, sanitize, or disinfect. And then also to go with this, because I know that there are a lot of people who are starting to think about the microbiome and preserving the good microbes. What would you advise them to, like, what approach could they use to to think about the good microbes when they're <laughs> sure. cleaning and disinfecting different areas of their homes? Well, I think I think in terms of what areas, um, I mean, we've already touched on on quite quite a few of them. I think if if you if, if we're thinking of risk again, so so cleaning um, cleaning tends to tends to come down again to that our own emotional beliefs and and things like mm-hmm. that. So so we'll all have our own um, sort of. Uh, ranking of of how clean something needs to be um so so i i don't think there's necessarily a a right or wrong on that one because i think that that does become mm-hmm. 
very much about um, our own feelings uh, about different areas. Um, if if we think, I mean, I, I've. I know I've gone back to, to food preparation quite a few times, but I think that's that's a really important area because there are some real risks um, there. there. There is a risk of um, uh, food poisoning um, through poor food preparation hygiene. And, and so there are some really important things there which which you should try and do things like you know keeping separate chopping boards cleaning surfaces you know not mixing things up in in your fridge keeping things in in containers keeping things refrigerated um, not mm-hmm. leaving them out at um, ambient temperature for extended periods of time if they are likely to to go off and obviously again it depends on what the food item is. Um, so, so I think around food, um, there are obviously some some important things that that it can have really serious consequences um, there. Um, and obviously, you know, you you mentioned earlier on um, things like uh, in the bathroom, and and certainly we we know that microbes can survive on surfaces for um, longer periods of time. And while most of the microbes that we're surrounded by are perfectly okay, certainly if you if you have any anyone in the household who has any kind of um, stomach upset, um, then you want to be really um, disinfecting um, you know your bathroom area. Uh, to to try and stop that um, forward on transmission that that can occur so so that that would be really important in in that case as well um, it, the whole idea of um, trying to protect all the all the other microbes that are around us is, is really interesting because inevitably we are using a lot more cleaning products. Um, than than we used to, um, and and what we we are seeing is that there there is um, evidence growing that some microbes can become resistant to to some of those um, uh, chemicals over time. So we have to be careful about about their overuse, and and also for our own immune systems, it, it is in. It is important that we get exposed to some microbes. So these are not not the the really serious ones, but some microbes. It, it is important, especially um, as as children and young people, to help our immune system develop um, and and be more resilient. Plus, in a general sense, there there is an advantage to to us, um, you know, maintaining. these natural microbes in for all sorts of reasons and there is um, there's a lot of research going along going on around um, how we can better um, enhance those natural communities that don't do us any harm um, and and target more specifically the um, the ones that do cause illness and and also Using more natural products because there there is a there is a wider problem of of using chemicals synthetic chemicals in in terms of the the impact on the environment um, mm. the impact into into our water systems pollution etc so so there are some things like um, you know in in terms of of cleaning there are not lots of um, natural cleaners um, which which can be very effective and and if you like kinder to <laughs> those um, non dangerous communities um, so so some of those things can be good and and I'm I'm sure you know you've you've all seen that that now um, this is being picked up a lot in in marketing of different products and, and lots mm. of products will now start saying contains natural products and etc and and that can be good for 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 lots of reasons and and I think 
always in in our choice of products we we have to think about what we need to do um you know again it comes back to that idea of risk um sometimes we need to use something that is a harsher chemical to really make sure we we can uh remove any chance of of there being something that could cause us harm but in the majority of times if we look at cleaning then actually a lot of these more natural product cleaners can can provide the cleaning that we require but with less harm to our microbial neighbors and also to the environment yeah <clears throat> i think that is i think that those are all really good points that it's 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 like thinking about those specific areas where we have to think, you know, whether we need to use a disinfectant or not. And most of the time, most, I would say most areas of the home, it's not required. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then considering if you can choose a gentler solution for cleaning versus, like you said, the synthetic chemical um, cleaners or just these concoctions that <laughs> that maybe are a little bit less friendly to the good microbes and trying to find some natural cleaners um, would be a good way to, to go about it. Um, yeah, so thanks for that. Um, so what have you learned overall from your work that has changed how you think about microbes in your daily life? Um. Well, I guess after um, so obviously I've been I've been working um, in microbiological research for a long time, and 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 I think it has changed my perception to risk around me. So I I remember um, I remember one of my very first jobs and and I had previous to this I my um, my studies had been on marine microbiology um, which generally don't cause illness and and I was in a lab and it was my first time of handling salmonella and even though logically I knew I was quite safe. Um, I wore two pairs of gloves. And Mm -hmm. when I opened the Petri dish, I was quite convinced that the bacteria were going to jump out and (laughs) somehow. And and actually, that's where, because I hadn't done any work on pathogenic or disease-causing bacteria at all to that point. But that's why I think knowledge is so important and understanding is so important because very quickly I went from that to being able to to handle really quite um quite serious um infection causing um microbes in a confident way um because I could understand I I I knew that they don't jump off an agar plate I, mm. I knew where the risks were um, and and I knew what, what to do. And I think although in, in our homes and in in our day-to-day life we we don't need that that level that we need in, in the lab setting, yeah. if we had a better overall understanding of the microbes around us, then we'd all be able, in the same way that we cross the road successfully and things like that we'd all be able to make more informed choices and 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 if there is fear remove that fear Mm. so so i i have definitely noticed um you know that that was something that for me uh was quite a quite a big change um yeah i love that on on you know i Along with that, the other thing would be um, really that understanding of how complex they are 
and how I now get very annoyed if if anyone refers to a simple E. coli or a simple bacterium mm-hmm. because <laughs> really they are not simple. They <laughs> are so complex and and just wow they they can it's it's really amazing um how how they can survive yeah yeah they it is amazing and i laughed earlier about the them jumping off the petri dish idea because it's so relatable i mean it's like when you uh, because i i remember feeling the same way and and it's like you're just learning yeah what what's possible you know and what's not possible and you want to be careful and yeah. so I think it's you know I'm not laughing because it's like oh how could you think that it's like I'm laughing because I'm like yeah of course everybody thinks that when they first start working with these things so uh, absolutely and I, and I think it is important um for for us uh, as as microbiologists to to remember that that we are in this mm. privileged position now that that we have a a good understanding and we have the tools available which means we can see this invisible world for mm. a lot of people that that isn't the case and and so we do have to remember when we were starting out you know, yeah, yes, I, I had already been working in a lab quite quite a long time. But I I remember that moment really clearly. Um mm-hmm. and and it it's important to 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 sort of connect with that because if we are going to be able to help people understand this invisible world, we we need to put ourselves back in in that position of, mm-hmm. of not being in a position to to have a lovely microscope where we can just get a sample and look at it um so i think it's really important yeah yep and that's a big reason why i have joyful microbe and trying to share these other things about the microbial world that you know are just occurring in our daily lives and that way people can see the beauty of it instead of me because I think it we're all aware of germs but we're not all aware of the beautiful things that microbes are doing so we need to work on our wildlife documentary Justine yes I love that idea so much (laughs) oh my gosh um okay so you have an activity for us so what at home microbiology activity can you tell us about so we can experience the microbial world in a hands-on way sure so um so i gave this some thought and as as i've um as i keep mentioning the invisible world and and that we can't see these things um i sort of had to think about how can we help with that how how can we see things so i mean as as a as a general thing um i mean com- compared to 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 when i was young i mean it, it's it's fantastic how many um little um small microscope device mm-hmm. type things you can get for like your mobile phone mm-hmm. um and things like that and uh, which is fantastic so if everyone anyone has any of that i encourage them to now go and have a look at some of the surfaces around their house and see what they can mm. see um, as an aside. <laughs> but in the lab, one of the things that we massively rely on is the ability to grow our microbes. And to do that, we normally have to use um, agar, so some kind of solid jelly-like media. Um, and then we can grow colonies small groups of bacteria on on those and they grow in different shapes and sizes and colors and there are some recipes so it's a bit like cooking um, (laughs) you can use at home to make your own agar Uh, one of them um, it uses potatoes so I will what I can do is um, I can give you the the step by step instructions, so you can you can add this if if that's okay, Justine. Um, yeah. Uh, but basically, you you boil up some potatoes, and um, 
you boil them so that they're really quite soft and then you put the water from the potatoes into um, the kind of jar that you would use for um, for preserving things um, so we call them a canning jar um, mm -hmm. so yep okay great um, yep. and then you need to add some sugar and also something that's going to make it into a kind of jelly. So you can either use um, an unflavored jelly or you can use gelatin um, strips or sheets that, that you can use for, um, for uh, making desserts and things like that. And you put all of this into the jar. You then need to put the jar with its lid on into um, a pan with some boiling water for some time. So you have to be careful about the boiling water. That's a, that's a risk for this one. So, so be careful mm -hmm. about that. And then after it's boiled for a, for a certain amount of time, basically what that's done is that has now sterilized that, um, that mixture. Um, so, so everything in that jar will be completely free of um, any microbes that could have been in the air or in any of the ingredients. And then you can pour it into, so in the lab, we would use Petri dishes, but it, you can use any kind of container that's okay with some heat. And, and basically that gel will then set. And then you can use that um, to, to have a look at whatever. So you might want to do something like um, gets a little bit of soil um, and if you've got some rainwater, that's that's better than using tap water. Um, have the soil in a little bit of rainwater and spread a little bit over over the um, the jelly, um, and then just leave it for a few days and see what grows. Um, you might want to try with just some tap water. You'll you probably have to leave it for a little bit longer, so maybe sort of five days or so, um, and you should get some little colonies growing. Um, you could try um, putting um, a thumbprint. So we all have bacteria and other microbes on our skin. Um, and you might want to try a thumbprint or a fingerprint or if, if your container's large enough, you could do your whole hand. Um, and just anything that, that you find really um, around you and see what grows um, mm. all the time remembering that it's okay that there are things on all of these surfaces or um, samples that's what we would expect so it's, it yeah it's a it's a chance to get to see some of the things that are around and hopefully you'd get a nice mixture of colonies and different sizes and colors and, and things like that yeah, I love that. And that kind of lets them have a little glimpse of the wildlife documentary. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And and some of them, you know, so drinking water, there are some bacteria in drinking water which are absolutely fine. Um they're there and, and you can find them in soil as well. And they will grow like incredible colours. You can get ones that mm. be red and oranges and yellow things like it's really interesting when they start yeah. growing I love that do you have any resources on this topic that you would recommend listeners so that they can go deeper on this topic um so in terms of like the whole questions around um uh like cleaning and and disinfection and things like that um Actually, all of the um, the for each country that the best resources are are all linked to to the public health um, organization for that that country. So um, certainly uh, for for the US, the the CDC has has some really nice resources around this, um, and um, and we have different ones here in the, in the UK. Um, there's there's also um, some some other um, articles. There's a, there's a really nice, uh, very short article. It's it's now 
um, a about just over 10 years old, but but the numbers um, are still relevant because we we are um, kind of guessing these numbers. It's in um, a, a a journal called Nature Reviews Microbiology, um, and and I can add the details. Um, uh, with with the instructions for the agar, mm-hmm. but it's it's a very short um, piece that gives you an example of some of the numbers of microbes that surround us, and mm. and when you see see the numbers, you'll you'll really understand how um, we we really are just surrounded by by so many, um, and that's fine, and that's good. Mm. So oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that'll be really neat. And I'll include all of that in the show notes. And and I've, if if I'm allowed, I'll um I'll add a link to our public transport project because we made oh, yeah. a few a few cartoons. It was during the pandemic, so so they are talking about um uh, the the rules that were in place at the time, but um I'd. I'd love to get feedback um, from anyone on how how they felt about how we um, demonstrated microbes in those. That that would be great. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I'll definitely include that as well. Thank you. Well, um, where can everyone find, follow, and connect with you? So, um, well, I'm I'm on Twitter. I always forget what my Twitter. Um, I can include it in the show notes. Um, And, oh, yes, it's at Wilkes underscore SA. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and um, I have my uh, um, work website. Um, I'll include all of those details for you. Um, I'd really, I'm really interested in um, exploring more how we can better direct our research to help people understand about the communities mm. around us. So um, I'm always very happy to hear from people, um, really interested to talk about microbiology anytime with anyone. <laughs> so so please do feel free to get in touch. Um, and uh, yes, very happy to, to supply those details. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure just getting to chat with you about this topic and hear all your thoughts and your perspectives. So I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Justine. Uh, really appreciate you you taking the time to speak to me. Um, it's been absolutely lovely. Um, and uh, I love the joyful microbe. It's great. <laughs> and let's work on that documentary. I know we need to. Absolutely. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Microbe podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to help others who love microbes to find the podcast, then please leave a rating and a review for the show and tell a friend. To learn more about the Joyful Microbe, head on over to joyfulmicrobe.com where you will find the show notes and all the links and resources mentioned. If you love Joyful Microbe and would like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a virtual tip through coffee. The link is in the show notes and on joyfulmicrobe.com at the bottom of the page. Thanks again, microbe friends. Talk to you next time.